Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Sometimes people are just too toxic for you, even for your privates. Welcome to a new episode of Too Tired to Be Crazy on every Thursday with me, your favorite baddie, your host, Viola Benson. Today, I have a very special and unusual guest. He's a urologist at Northwestern University. His name is Justin Dubin. Justin specializes in male infertility and sexual medicine. Through his work, Justin wants to break down barriers that we have when it comes to sexual health. And among Justin's sex research, he is the first doctor to investigate porn stars and their sexual health. So let's dive in deep into all the instructed sex talk. So I hope everyone is going to be taking notes. Please do. This is really exciting. Thanks for having me today. I'm really excited. This is great. Thanks for, Thanks for coming on. First of all, what made you want to become a urologist and why did you choose a specific specialty? So it's kind of one of those things where I thought me becoming a urologist was a combo of luck and fate. And I think that's how people's careers often end up. I came out of college. I knew I'd want to go to med school, but I was like, I don't want to go from studying hard to studying even harder. So I wanted to work. I I found a job. I applied to a lot of jobs and I ended up getting hired in New York City at Cornell and the Upper East Side of Manhattan as a clinical research coordinator in urology. And I had no idea what urology was. I was like, I need a job. I'll take it. And I worked with some really amazing people there. I made some amazing relationships and connections And I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. I like, I like doing urology. And for those of you who don't know what urology is, yeah, (laughs) urology is like a surgical and medical management of diseases of the male and female urinary tract and the male reproductive organs. So anything you can kind of pee or ejaculate out of is kind of what we're dealing with here. Sick. Okay. So yeah, it's pretty cool. But it's, it's, and there's a lot of different things, right? There's cancer, there's urinary problems, there's sex problems, there's fertility problems. So there's a lot of different things that encompass it. And when I, I trained at University of Miami um, and under my mentor there, uh, Dr. Ramasamy, uh, I, he, is a, he does what I do. He does the sexual medicine, uh, the infertility, and uh, I really became passionate about it at that, at that point. And I, I did all, a lot of the studies that we're going to talk about at University of Miami. And why did I like sexual medicine, male infertility? Well, I think it's really great. Like you think of doctors and you think of people who are like saving your life. You know, we're talking about cancer. We're talking about, you know, giving you five years of life and or another 10 years of life. And from my perspective, it's like, okay, if you have another, if I had another five years of your life, but it's not five years of good quality life, am I really helping you? And I love the idea of improving the people, people's quality of life. For sex medicine and infertility, I'm helping a person, but I'm also helping their partner and I'm helping their relationship. And I think that I love that aspect of it. You know, it's just one of those things where people leave me happy 
because they're having better sex or they're having a, a baby that they maybe couldn't have had before. So it's all kind of positive things. And I also get to talk about penises, balls and sex all day. So what's better than that? Right. Yeah. So but you you say you focus on both. So like even though you talk a lot about more of the male stuff, you do focus also on the like UTIs and things like that for women, right? So, so there is a more specific specialty that does the UTIs and everything for women. Uh, that's like, uh, it's a urogy- urogynecologist is what we call them. And they can be urologists or they can actually be gynecologists. It's both there. So you can see either one for those kinds of issues. And they can also help you with female sexual dysfunction. Majority of the stuff that I do see now is men. I do see mostly men's health, but I have done research as we'll talk about in female. And I do yeah. have, you know, an understanding of female sexual dysfunction okay. and stuff like that. So we will focus on male, but there's something that's in the back of my head, like it wasn't even planning asking you, but I just will, yeah, yeah. because I would just want to confirm this as a fact that I tried to explain to my friend is that not only can you not be compatible with somebody personality wise or dating wise, I told her that you could, it's also potentially possible to not be compatible with somebody's privates. Because for example, one of my friends constantly gets UTIs when she has sex with a specific guy. And I was like, either he has like uh, a yeast infection or something or your pH balance or some he's affecting your pH balance in a weird way or something. And like, you're not compatible with this private parts. Am well, I wrong? You know, I, 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 I think it's hard to say you're, you're right or wrong because <laughs> sometimes you don't know what they're doing. Right. Sometimes they may using, they be using a specific kind of lube, just them to like, he's like, yo, I want to use this lube and it can change the pH of the vagina. Or maybe they're doing some kind of kinky stuff that you don't know that they're doing. Um, but, you know, typically like, you know, most people when they like, you know, I, there, people have asked like, when I ejaculate, is there bacteria in the ejaculate? Am I giving a woman a UTI? No, that's not like the situation. Like, I don't think his ejaculate is like, or something is causing it. Um, So it's a hard question to say yes or no. I mean, that's obviously a very interesting observation, but I'm not too sure. Okay. You might be, you might be right. It might be wrong. I know. I'm right. right. Sometimes people are just too toxic for you, even for your privates. I'm just saying, I know, right? There you go. Well, you know, it is, there is a huge component to female sexual satisfaction and sexual function, relationships, psychological, hormonal. These are all real things that do affect that for sure. A hundred percent. What's the biggest misconception that people have when it comes to sex? So there's a lot of things that uh, we get asked about or I get asked about. And I think one of the interesting things that, that uh, men come to me about is that they're like, doctor, I have uh, erectile dysfunction. You know, I'm having, I had a sex with this girl um, or guy and I'm not able to get it up a second time. You know, usually like a year ago, we had sex like two, three times in a row. It was great. And now I can't do that. And it's, or I used to do that five years ago. And that's not really erectile dysfunction. That's, that's not, that's not, you know, there's something called like a refractory time. And unfortunately, sometimes when you get older, you just don't have that ability to do it, to do it like that anymore. So I think there, there is a, a misconception of what erectile dysfunction is, what sexual dysfunction is. And you know, in the same line is, you know, people come in, come up and they say, hey, I have decreased 
libido and libido and sexual dysfunction are kind of different, right? Sex is the act of engaging in, in sex and libido is the desire. And just because you have a low libido doesn't mean you can't necessarily engage in sex or, yeah. or have, if you want to, you can still engage in sex. Like some people are like, ah, I wish I had higher sex drive, but I still want to do it doesn't mean you not necessarily won't be able to. You, you may yeah. still be able to. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who have partners who have low sexual libidos and then they mistake it in with, oh, you're not attracted to me and that's why we're not having sex. So it's, it has nothing to do with attraction. It's just like the actual libido of this person. So, I mean, relationships are complicated. There's, I see people here all the time. I see patients in the clinic they haven't had sex in five years. Why? They don't, their, their libido is a little low, but they were like, I didn't really care because I just got a divorce. I didn't like that person. I did not want to have sex with them for the last three years. But now yeah. I'm here because I have a low libido and I want to have sex and I have a new, new girlfriend and I'm trying to like have a great time. So it's a combination of both, really. They haven't had sex with each other in five years because they were having sex with other people. <laughs> Very possible that, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's very possible, but they are at least not having sex with each other for sure for the last five years. And I think the other thing that I, I think is important when you're, when you're dealing with guys who have erectile dysfunction, um, a lot of guys, like, I think it's a big misconception that when, when you're with your partner, that you conceive sex as only vaginal penetration. And so, so a guy loses an erection at the time that doesn't mean sex is over. You can do other stuff, whether it's, you know, oral, you know, hand jobs, fingering, whatever gets you going, masturbation. There's a lot of different options and maybe you'll get your erection back, but that doesn't mean that sex is over or has to be over. So I think that's another thing that's interesting. Well, I think it's also a mental thing because I think a lot of times we talk about sex so much, but what, what, because men have a penis and can just get it up. I think in the bedroom, a lot of times women in general or their partners, uh, forget the like, oh, the person has emotions and yeah, maybe it was a bad day. Maybe they're really stressed or whatever reason they can't get their penis up or they're uh, like the penis goes down in the middle of sex. And we are not thinking like, oh, poor person, this person's about to go through so much anxiety in his head about like feeling like a, like a failure. And instead you're like, are you joking? Are you kidding me? What the fuck? You're not attracted to me? What's happening? And then like, of course, he's not going to get his dick back up because you just like, made him feel even shittier. He's not going to get horny now. So what you should you do? Nailed it. You absolutely <laughs> fucking nailed that. I swear to God, like that was going to, I was going to talk about that later, but you just really, no, you're hundred percent right. So, I mean, we'll talk about the other study, the male blame study at some, like later on, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, one problem is, you know, how you get, like, what's the deal with erectile dysfunction? What causes erectile, like, in order to get to understand what, how it fails, you have to understand how it works. And although, like, we're kind of simple people, men, when it comes to, like, hey, you know, you, can you get it up? Can you come? Can you ejaculate? And can you orgasm? Those are, like, the three things, right? But to get an erection, you need five things. You need to be aroused. You need hormones, usually specifically testosterone. You need good levels. You need good nerves, you need to your penis, you need good blood flow to your penis. And the last thing, which is why we see in a lot of young people now, is you need a good state of mind, right? Significant anxiety, depression, fear, that can really mess you up. 
And in a situation where, say, some guy is drunk one night, he can't get it up, and then he gets into it with his partner, that can make a little bit of a, like a vicious cycle, right? They can get inside their own heads. So it's hard, right? You have to understand that, like, it's probably not you. Yeah. But you don't need to yell at them and because that's probably just going to make it worse the next time. Or they may not want to engage with you again. What's a what's a whiskey dick? (laughs) (laughs) Whiskey dick is just is when you take a lot of alcohol, obviously, and it can affect some of these things. Right. Um, I think a lot of it is like the mindset. Some of it can be um, potentially your hormone levels, your, your epinephrine, phenol, uh, uh, like your norepinephrine, like your signaling, your parasympathetics, your sympathetics to be less complicated, kind of just the nervous reactions can be, I guess, a little bit dulled or thrown off in your, in your, in your penis. Um, but you know, I, I don't, so, so there's a lot of things that are going on when you have whiskey dick and it may cause some erectile dysfunction there for sure. I actually read this. Is it true that every, if someone's overweight or heavier, they can quote unquote grow their penis or their penis will look larger with like every 15 or 20 pounds that they lose? Well, in a way, I don't know the number, but your penis shrinks when you get fatter because it's kind of eaten up by, by your, your, what we call the panis, like the fupa area. <laughs> it's all, <laughs> basically we, you can get buried penis. So does your penis grow? No, it's probably trying to go back to normal, but sometimes you don't get back to normal. You know, you can do surgeries such as, you know, you take out the fupa to make your penis look bigger or so you don't hide your penis anymore because you're, you got fat covering it. So you really don't want to be at that point. <laughs> oh, got it. So it's like your penis size, whatever it was, but the, the fat around it is hiding it. So that's why it's starting to look smaller. So as you lose weight, the fat goes back and then your Correct. penis looks longer. It's, it's just getting back to its normal size. Interesting. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. So if nothing else wants to make men work out, this should. Absolutely. (laughs) Listen, if you want to have a good sex life, eat healthy, go to the gym. And if you want to continue to see your penis, do both of those. Not just that. If you want your penis to look larger than what it currently is, if you're overweight, Lose something weight. to think about. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of that's kind of right. crazy. I feel like that's very crazy. That would motivate me. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact. Um, what is the question you get asked the most about sex? I think the question I really get a lot is kind of the the erectile dysfunction question. Like I was insinuating a lot for me, a lot of the men come in and they're like, why do I have erectile dysfunction? And I kind of went over some of the reasons and it kind of is dependent on the age. You know, when you look at the data right now, it's kind of interesting because originally the data was like 50% of men at the age of 50 have erectile dysfunction, 60% of men at the age of 60, 70% at 70. But now you're seeing some data showing that men under 40, about 30% of men are having erectile dysfunction. It's kind of on the rise. Wait, how many? 30%. Oh, but, okay. but I mean, some people may claim it's higher. Some people may claim it's lower. Uh, we did a study where we saw that 
overall, about 80% of women had experienced an event with a male who had erectile dysfunction. So obviously these things happen, whether it's a one-time thing or, Wait, or not. What Can you actually give me the scientific definition between, because since a lot of us get mixed up, the difference between somebody having a bad night and not being able to get their penis up or they're depressed or whatever, or their medication, or someone that actually has erectile dysfunction? That's a great point. So there's different different definitions of kinds of erectile dysfunction. And I honestly can't like say that everyone has this one kind. Basically, you know, younger guys, for the most part, if I see them and they have no medical problems, they have, you know, uh, they're relatively healthy um, men, most likely it's what we call psychogenic ED, which is, you know, a psychological form of ED. And that is a definition of ED. So, you know, one time is whatever, but you still technically in that one moment do have erectile dysfunction. Um, but when you come to see me, I, you know, it's a lot of reassurance. There's a lot of things that I can do, you know, whether it's reassurance saying, you know, I think it's probably whatever was the alcohol or it was kind of a stressful situation. There's a lot of stuff going on in your life. And, and there's a lot of things you can do if you're a young man, right? Sometimes you can use Cialis, Viagra. These are things that are more popular. You're seeing it on Roman. You're seeing Blue Chew. You're seeing hymns. Like all of these things are being used for a reason because people kind of like that or guys kind of like to, to have that in their back pocket. You know, right. I was all stressed out. Something happened. I want to uh, just make sure that there's no issues and it puts you in a, you can really focus on the moment instead of focusing on whether your penis is going to work. So is Viagra kind of a solution or is it just more of a short-term solution for people? It's a great question. For some people, it's a long-term solution. For some people, it's a short-term solution. There's a lot of guys we come in. Who Are come you a in. politician? Because your answer is well, no, I'm not a politician, but I, it's not black and white. Medicine's okay. not black and white. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just not. Like, it's not like, oh, there's 100% this, right? So I have guys who have been on Cialis for, or Viagra for, you know, 20 years, right? And that's just the way it is. I also see young guys, they come in, they're like, oh, my penis didn't work like one night. I'm really freaked out. I give them Viagra once and they never come back. They don't ask for another script. They just needed it to get in the right headspace one or two times to kind of get out of that mental ditch that they were in. And then they never used it again. So there's really, it, it depends, you know? Wait, Viagra is not over the counter. It's it's a prescription. It's not over the counter. Yeah, these are not over the counter, even though, you know, those websites. So basically you call a doctor or message a doctor. I haven't gone through it like to like mess mess player play with it. But basically you're talking to a quote, I think a doctor um, and oh. uh, basically they prescribe it. to you. Yeah. I so mean, I'm I, not no, a man. I'm not a man. No, so course. I don't know. That's, That's what I'm asking. Yeah, no, you can't just go to CVS or Walgreens and, and pick up. Viagra or Cialis. So any man that randomly suddenly has Viagra on him, it means it was prescribed to him. Most of the time they could have gotten it from their friends or something. I mean, yeah, they could have gotten it from their dad or something. I mean, that's very possible. <laughs> Cause now even younger guys use Viagra because they, uh, we, I heard that like it makes you last longer or it gives you like a high or something, especially if you're like, if you don't even need it, it like, then you can just keep having sex for like hours or something like that. You know, some, I don't really know the data on that. So I don't really want to say, but I don't think you can get like high off Viagra. (laughs) Hey baddies, stopping this podcast recording really quick because I need your help. 
I'm working on a few very special dating story episodes right now. And I want to hear your craziest dating stories. Yeah, that's right. I'm finally forking ready to feature you on my podcast. Yeah, a lot of you going to be featured very soon, very often. But first, let's start with your craziest dating stories. No story is too crazy for this podcast. And as you know, I'm like the princess of fucked up crazy dating stories. And I'm pretty sure some of you guys out there are the queens (laughs) of crazy dating stories. So I'll tell you what, if you send me a story that tops any of mine, I'll bring you on the podcast to tell it yourself and all of us baddies, no joke, that is my sworn promise. And don't worry, I keep everything anonymous unless you want to say your name, then we're good with that too. Okay, so I used to ask you guys to just DM me them, but my Instagram literally blew up with so many DMs. So I would love it if you guys will just text me your stories instead. I've been slightly battling with doing this, but I don't know. Text messaging is just a lot easier for me. So just text me dating to my number 310-510-6643. You will literally be texting me and I will be reading all of your dating stories. And that's how I'll be able to pick the craziest ones. And you will be able to come get featured on my podcast. I just want to involve you guys as much as possible. So if it's easier, there's also a link in the description of this episode. And honestly, just use the link if that's easier. But if you have your phone on right now, just text me dating to my number 310-510-6643 and I will get back to you ASAP. Can't wait to hear from you guys. And I'm serious. Send me a story and you will be featured on this podcast, whether you want to be anonymous or not. It's your choice, but um, yeah, that's so exciting. Okay, baddies, I love you. Text me. Now let's get back to this episode. Ciao. As we become older, how much of a priority is sex in a relationship? I base, I personally believe it's like it varies per relationship, but like how much do you think of a priority is sex in a relationship? I think you're right, first off, that it does vary, but the majority of people, it is actually very important. Um, sex is a priority, um, in adults. Like they did a survey of younger adults and it was about 60% of men, 40% of women said that they sexual health was an important aspect of their quality of life. And, you know, that can Wait, how many, how, how many women? 40%, but that was one study. There was other studies that I think were higher, but I'm just quoting one study. Um, and when they looked at adults over 65, 50% of adults over 65 and 25% of adults over 75 are still having sex. So, you know, people enjoy sex late into older age as they should, because sex is great. Sex is good for you. It makes you feel good. It's good for your mental wellness. It's good for your physical wellness. So I, I think, yeah, I think people do prioritize sex in their relationship, but that doesn't mean that prioritizing it means frequency, right? There's a difference between like we're having sex every day versus, you know, we're having sex once a month. And actually, you know, average couples under the age of 50 have sex on average like two times a week. And that declines as we get older. But what's really interesting about that is that even though the frequency declines in sex, um, when the when the couples do get together, they really do enjoy it and they really enjoy their time together. So I think it's like 
your priorities can still be part of sex, but maybe those priorities change a little. And it's okay to be not having sex like, you know, rabbits all the time because life happens, relationships change. But as long as you're having sex and you're enjoying your sex when you do have it, that's great. How come there are some men out there, and I've seen this, um, I think, like just on TV shows and things like that, where the couple, they're not having really, they're not really having sex because the man says he has, not sex, because the man is experiencing low libido or can't get it up. But then the woman catches him masturbating. Then she's like, what the fuck? Like, how could you get your, how are you able to get your dick up for the porn, but not for me? Like, are you not attracted to me? What's happening? So why is that that sometimes some men are able to still masturbate so they can get their dick up, they can come? for masturbating, but something about being with a partner that like they can't get it up or they can't come or they can't last long. I mean, with their penis up. No, that's an amazing question because you're right. You do see that. So I always ask our patients, we ask their ability to engage in penetrative intercourse and their ability to masturbate. They're actually two different things. And it's a combination of the internet and masturbation, you can kind of find your kinks and it's not in necessarily in reality. So the combination of those things, some men who may have difficulties because they're not actually able to get a hard enough erection to penetrate may be having an adequate erection, even though it's like a three out of 10 and you may need a five or six out of 10 to get inside uh, penetrative sex. You know, I, I think that you're able to masturbate still. You can, you can still come like with a pretty soft penis when you masturbate, but it's a lot harder to do that when you're just kind of not able to penetrate. So some, I don't think it's necessarily the partner's fault, but obviously I think there could be a relationship component to it. I, I wouldn't say that there's not. And I think the most important thing to do is if you see that in your relationship is to ask them, Maybe not like aggressively attack them on it, but say like, hey, what's going on? Like, you want to go to the doctor? You want to talk about this? Like, do we need to go to a sex therapist? What's going on? Okay. So my point, my point is that some, you know, when you're trying, when you have erectile dysfunction, sometimes it's hard to create an environment for your penis to get up when you are sometimes it's like pushing rope, right? That's what sometimes people say, right? It's like kind of putting like, a soft thing inside. And it's very hard to maintain that and keep it stimulated if it's not going. And when you have your hand, you're able to kind of accommodate that because I mean, it's, you know, you can grab it and do what you need to do with it. And that's not really how a vagina works. Unfortunately, I'm not, I, I will promise you that the majority of men who I would say almost all the men who say I can masturbate, but I can't get it up are coming to me because they want to have sex. They do not yeah. want to just sit there and masturbate. Um, but also it's not your partner's fault if you are having erectile dysfunction. So I feel like you shouldn't put it on you as because you you did kind of make that comment like through wine. No, no, like, I understand not, what you're saying. Uh, there's there, in no way is it a female's fault. There's no, there's nothing that the female is doing in that situation. And I, and we'll talk about that. Like, Obviously she can be very show. supportive. Obviously if she's like you're disgusting. You can't get your dick up. You fucking loser. You're pathetic. The only thing you're able to do, can't even do. Yeah, of course. It's like, you know, girl, like, chill out. You're the worst. But if it's like, 
she's not putting the man down and he's having erectile dysfunction. Plus, like, I think a lot of times because men are so obsessed with their penis, it's like their number one BFF. It's hard for them sometimes to admit if they're having issues with it, even when it comes to fertility in general, a lot of the time men assume it's the woman and then you, you finally go, eventually go to the doctor. You don't want to go for whatever reason, because God forbid it's you. And then you find out the man, the man, the man is having fertility issues and you're, he's like, what the fuck? So it's like, I feel like it's still a, a pride thing with men in general to actually head to the doctor about their issues. You're absolutely right. So what people don't know is that, you know, males are, it takes two to tango, especially when you're talking about infertility and, you know, 50% of infertility has a male role involved. And that kind of makes sense, right? There's two of you to have a baby. And in fact, 30% of the time, it can just be the man itself. And uh, so, you know, you're absolutely right. This is something that we don't have enough of. There's too much pressure on women to, you know, there's like a burden of like, hey, we're trying to have a kid. You need to get worked up. You need to do these things. And that's not the case. It should be, we need to work together to, to, to see what's going on. I will go to the doctor. You will go to the doctor. And we're going to work this out together because we are a couple. We're in a relationship and we need to, you know, th- there's no blame. This is a shared process. This is life. Yeah. This is partnership. And this is what we're here for in the long haul. And, and, and you're right, 100%. Um, in men, we like to see, we define it as a low testosterone as less than 300. That's just a level that we have based off of, you know, a lot of data that we collected. And when it's, when it's lower than that, I mean, uh, we can treat it, uh, high testosterone, um, you know, there's really actually no upper limit. We haven't decided on an upper limit right. when we're treating men with testosterone. We try to keep it probably around less than a thousand. Um, okay. but when, when men, get older, they decrease their testosterone levels by about 1% every year. What does testosterone do? Like, what is it for? So testosterone does a lot of things. It can build your muscles in your body. It can help you with bone growth and bone like strength. It can also help you, you know, helps tells your testicles to make sperm. Um, So those are the kinds of things that testosterone does. uh, and, And it plays a role in male development as well. Can you tell us about your study about erectile dysfunction and why did it inspire you to research that topic? Even though I feel like we briefly talked about it, but if you want to add into it. Yeah. So the one that we're, the one you want, you're talking about the blame, the male blame one. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So basically. So you did a research called male, male blame. Right. So we looked at how female perceptions and wellness and how it was affected on when, when men blame them for their erectile loss. And really what I, we came across this, across this idea because both in, you know, at work when I was with partner, like with the patients and their partners, and then I had friends and their female partners or, you know, female friends would ask me like, Hey, you know, I was with this guy and they blame their erections on me. Is this my fault? It really, I really felt crappy about it. I didn't feel good about it. And I started hearing that enough that it really bothered me. I was like, this is not great. Like this must be going on way more than I think people want to talk about. So what we ended up doing is we surveyed about 13,000 women and we asked them like, has, have they experienced erectile dysfunction with their partner? Have they been blamed for it? And like, we asked some questions about their sex life at that time, like when that happened. And 
So really what we found was about 80% of women have experience, and this is through all age groups. This is like from 18 to like, I think the oldest person was 85. And so like, this is consistently pretty much through all age groups. Um, 80% experienced uh, a male partner who have lost their erections during sexual activity at least once in their lives. And what was really concerning is that one out of seven women out of 13,000 women uh, experienced being blamed by their par- partner at the time for a loss of their erection. That's yeah. really high. Yeah. Are you surprised by that? I don't know. I want to know, get your opinion on that. Like, I'm not surprised by it because men, but it wouldn't affect me. Like I've, I've been with a partner that had erectile dysfunction and I was just like, yeah, I probably can't, I can't date this person. Nothing personal. Cause I'm just very no, sexual. Yeah. And I knew that that person didn't want to work on it. Cause I was okay with working on it, but he didn't want to work on it. Cause he couldn't admit the issues. He was more like, Oh, I just prefer to get head. It's like, Oh, okay. So it's just all about you. And I'm, and he's like, I don't like to go down on girls and I just prefer to get head. And then I also can't get my dick up during sex. And I'm like, well, then why are you here? Not not personal, but it was like, it's like he didn't, it, God forbid there was any, he is anything wrong with him. He was just ma- making it seem like those were his preferences versus being like, oh, let's work through it. So um, I didn't blame myself because I'm like, yeah, I look great naked. So it's not me. So I th- you did everything right. I, I don't think that, I mean, it couldn't have gone, you couldn't have been any more fair in that scenario. And what was worrisome and, you know, you were fortunate and that didn't bother you. But yeah. what we did find out that, you know, it what, what was worrisome was that the women who were blamed in our study were more likely to end the sexual encounter at that time. They felt a stronger sense of responsibility and worry. They were less sexually satisfied. And what's also interesting is they were more likely to end relationships due to their partner's ED. So, oh. you know, yeah, but yeah, so there you go. And, and, it, and, it, and it makes sense, right? Like, it seems like there, there's, it's a, it's a relationship. And if there's, some kind of issue there, I think people are not going to feel comfortable about what's going on. And it's really important. I I like this study because I think that what's important is that we realize during sex, it's a very intimate, it's a very personal thing. And when you attack someone or, you know, it's not going to end well, both for their mental wellness and they're set, like they're actually being set their sexual wellness. And that's, and that's a problem. And, And I think, we have to be aware of the way that we act. Um, yeah. And one thing that I, w- I was interested in, that I was surprised is, you know, and that was the, the message here. It was like, guys, we got to be aware. We need to be aware of what we're saying. I know it's uncomfortable and it can be embarrassing, but I think that you have to really just kind of deal with it. It's not, you know, yeah. it's not their fault. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, and we ought to, we talked about it, right? Like the way that the both partners react also helps, you know? So, yeah. so I think it's, it's a hard line, but it's kind of, it takes two to tango and you both kind yeah. of have to be, be together on that. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've, I said this before, like, 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 and I agree with you that sex is very intimate. It's two people being very vulnerable with each other. It's not just sex, it's intimacy. And in order to gain that intimacy with one another, you, you have to be comfortable. You have to make the other person feel comfortable. You have to make the other person feel like they're the most amazing person ever. And you're both feeling, you know, scared and vulnerable in that moment. So it's not, it's like the man can have erectile dysfunction. The woman can have her own like low libido or feeling insecure about her body. But like when you enter the bedroom, you have to like remove all those notions and do your best. And if it doesn't work out, it's like you still have the intimacy in the bedroom at the end of the night. Like, let's say it didn't work out. Sex like didn't go through. Like, I love those partners where you can just like laugh it off, be like, fuck it, whatever. And, or, you know, you laugh it off or you just cuddle for the rest of the night until it's fine again. Or the guy just ends up going down the girl and he just still makes her come. So then she has the best sex ever. Like there's so many different things, but I think it has to do with confidence, whether it's the woman feeling self-conscious about her body when she's having sex. So the sex doesn't end up being as good. And just as the same way as if the man feels insecure or self-conscious about having erectile dysfunction or whatever, if he gets in his head, then yeah, it's going to be the worst night ever. But if he's confident about himself and his body and he's like, it is what it is, he still can make it the best night ever. I, you nailed it. Yeah. That's hundred percent true. <laughs> okay, good. Glad we're on the same page. Uh, <laughs> um, Oh, does sexual dysfunction affect anything else in our bodies? Yeah, for sure. So I was, I said it before, but sexual health is your health. And, you know, when you have issues with sexual dysfunction, there's usually something else going on. Obviously, we talked about young men and psychogenic erectile dysfunction, where sometimes it's a stress or anxiety thing. But we also mentioned that there's other things, right? You need good blood flow could be heart problems. And, and usually in a little bit older men, you know, bad nerves, you, you could have diabetes, you could have yeah. had an injury or something. Um, hormones, we talked about if your hormones are low, they're not great. Um, then, you know, that can also be an issue. So the sexual dysfunction in both men and women can be a sign of, of other things. And it's important to go talk to a doctor if you're having any of these issues on both sides. Um, so why did you want, why did you decide to do, uh, research on porn stars? What? what? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> basically when I was in Miami, we saw, a, we, we've saw a lot of people, people, a lot of young men come in and they would say like, you know, some of them have said like, you know, I'm watching this porn. It gets me stressed out. I'm trying to have sex with my partner and I just can't perform like the porn stars. It gets me a little anxious. And then we saw a couple of porn stars because we're in Miami and we're like, oh, they also have these problems. And I was like, why don't we look to see, compare porn stars and see if they're having erectile dysfunction like the rest of us, you know, yeah. um, is this an issue and, and how do we, how do we go about this? Um, so that's kind of how we came up with the idea and getting it started was pretty fun. I basically cold called porn star managers for about six weeks and eventually got in touch with some people who worked at higher ups with, uh, some of the porn star people in the porn star industry. And they were nice enough to work with us and, uh, and do these studies. So what did you end up finding out from the, these studies? Yeah. So it was kind of cool. Like it was, it's kind of, at first it's surprising when you hear the data. And then when you think about it, you're like, Oh, you know, it kind of makes sense. So where the majority of male porn stars, like over 50% were using something like Viagra or Cialis. Makes and sense. right. 
And, and most of the men, 80% of the men under 30 were using Viagra or Cialis. Um, and then around 40% of all these men had erectile dysfunction and around 40% uh, and of the men under 40 also had erectile dysfunction. And the when you're thinking stars? about porn stars, 40% of all porn stars had erectile, erectile dysfunction. And in the youngest population of under, thir- of under 40, under 30, under 40, they all had, you know, over 40%, around 40% of them had erectile dysfunction. Wow. So that's high. That's high for young people. And you're like, why? Why would it be that way? And it's kind of one of those things where you see so many patients in clinic and you're like, well, these young guys who are completely healthy and they're having sex with one part person, one partner, they're having trouble getting up. Imagine like being in front of a camera doing like crazy positions for longer periods of time with like 10 people in the room. And then like, they're zooming in on your penis and stuff. Like that's stressful. I think I I made like, that's kind of, so it kind of makes sense. So they, the way for them, yeah, because you would never guess. So for them, it's literally just being on Viagra. That's what helps them. Yeah. I mean, so some of them, the majority in our study were using Viagra, Cialis, stuff like that. But I mean, there's other ways you can get erections. There's, you can get a penile implant, have surgery to get a penile implant inside you. What's a, what's a penile implant? So basically what it is, it's, it's kind of like a three piece cylinder that we operate, we put inside your penis and we put a pump inside your testicles uh-huh. and, and you pump it up when you want to have sex and you get fully erect and then you can keep going. Even after you orgasm, you could keep it up. And then when you're done, whenever you decide you're done, you just push a button inside your scrotum and, it, and then you push it down and, and then you have it, but you can't tell it's in you. You can't tell it's in you. Typically, we don't do this in young people. We do this in like patients with like really bad diabetes who just can't get erections anymore or patients who had specific surgeries that they can't get erections. We don't typically put that in like a porn. Like I've never put it in like oh, a porn star or anything okay. like that. But you were just asking other ways. But like, I yeah, that. I guess. But okay. uh, yeah, and you can also do injections into your penis of, of like kind of like a super Viagra kind of thing. Like steroids? No, it's, 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 there's, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, it's almost similar to the same mechanism that Viagra and, and Cialis works, but you just direct j- inject it into your penis. And so Viagra and Cialis, you have to get stimulated, right? You have to be aroused in order for it to Yeah. Go, I feel like, like I've up. seen it. I've seen it in a movie. I feel like somebody injecting his penis for it to go up. I forgot which yeah. movie it was. I'm trying to think. I don't know. It was like a scary movie, like not a scary movie, like action or scary movie. How does masturbating, this is important because I feel like that is a big problem for a lot of people, including women, like my, even myself. How does masturbating affect your sexual libido? So I feel like there, there was always for the longest time, people were like anti-masturbating. Like there's some, some, some kind of stigma about masturbation. And I think it's important. First off, you, you, are, you crush it with this. You talk about these kinds of things all the time. I think it's really important. Um, but it's a very healthy thing to do. Masturbation is good for me- your mental health. It's good for your physical health. You know, approximately 75% of all men masturbate, 50% of women. Um, Wait, only 75% of men masturbate? This is like of all age, this is like all age groups. So it's not like, I, I think this is just one study. I can't like say 
this is the definitive thing, but you know, I'm just giving you some numbers and um, it's uh, obviously an important part of your sexual development uh, as, as when you're growing up. And one thing that's really interesting when you're talking about your sexual libido is, you know, there have been studies showing that, you know, when women are stimulating themselves and masturbating with a partner, you know, and they're engaging in sex activities with their partner, they're more likely to experience orgasms and they're more enhanced orgasmic pleasure for, so like masturbation, especially when done correctly with your partner can even complement partnered sex and really improve it. And I think that's something really cool that people don't talk about enough. That you can masturbate with your partner. You don't have to do it alone. Right, exactly. And you can also like when you, you can use it as part of sex. So you're going to, yeah. you're going to continue on and, and, and people enjoy the actual orgasmic pleasure uh, and the sexual experience when you're kind of, you're doing some masturbation and then you're kind of having sex after or with it. Wait, so are you saying it affects your libido by making, giving you a higher libido by masturbating? Yeah, I would say if any, like, so yeah, I'm not, I'm saying it's a good thing. This is all okay. good. Um, no, I, I, you know, people, there's always questions like, am I masturbating too much? Am I doing something? I think that like anything, you know, pornography can potentially be an addictive thing. Masturbation can be an addictive thing. Sex can be an addictive thing, but in general, these are all pretty good things for you, right? Sex is good for you. Masturbation in moderation, obviously anything in life in moderation. Of course I agree. Like if someone needs to, if someone is masturbating like 20 times a day, like it, it's, it, it could probably just see what's going on with that. Or if someone can only, if someone has a partner that they can only have sex, if the porn is on and it's like a specific type of porn, like that's really going to suck for their partner to deal right. with that. So I think it's probably in moderation and all that. Okay. It's, it's all like scenario kind of driven, but yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. <laughs> Um, okay, so how can we all better our sex life? How can we all better our sexual health? So I've, I've repeated this a couple of times, and I think it's kind of the real message I do want to get across for everyone is that sexual health is your health. And really, it's important that, you know, and I also like to say the penis is actually a muscle that needs to be exercised like every other part of the body. And, you know, erections are good for erections. Um, the more you have them, the better. Um, so I think, and it's the same thing with, with women and their sexual health. Um, these are things that, you know, you need to take care of yourself. You need to exercise, you need to eat healthy. Um, you need to, if you're having problems, you need to go talk to your doctor and see what's going on because the majority of sexual issues we can fix and we can help you for both men and women. And one thing that I, I do want to get across that we, we didn't really talk as much about female sexual dysfunction. And I did want to talk about that because one out of three women who don't have, who have sexual issues or sexual dysfunction issues are seeing a doctor. So that means 66% of people who have of women who have sexual function, dysfunction issues aren't seeing a doctor. And, and there is this issue where some of the doctors aren't asking that for women and we right. need to do a better job at doing that. Right. And, and you do an excellent job of destigmatizing some of these conversations and I'm hopefully helping to destigmatize some of these conversations by doing my job. And, and so like, 
we need to, to make sure people are talking about it because the more people are talking about it, the more comfortable they're talking about it, the more people we're going to help. And, and everyone's going to be living that much better of a sex life. And they're going to be having better relationships with their partners. And overall, I think everyone's going to be happier. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I think sometimes we may not even realize that there is a problem. We're just like, oh, it's just like how my body is or it's just how I am versus being like, oh, maybe if I went to a doctor, I could have a more successful, healthy, sexual type of life. So uh, I agree that it's sometimes and you're right. Doctors don't ask. And then we don't even think of disclosing it because we don't think it's even some it's it's like it can be either embarrassing. It's uncomfortable because it's not conversations we're used to having because it's conversations we don't even know we can have. So that definitely agree with you on all that. So aside from female dis- sexual dysfunction, is there anything else you feel like I didn't ask you? You know, I think one thing that people ask me a lot too is does pornography cause pornography usage cause sexual dysfunction? Can it cause erectile dysfunction? Okay. And the answer, the answer is no, right? The data does not support that. But we also talked about things in moderation, right? We did say, you know, if you're watching porn, what was the Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie where he was like watching porn like all day with Scarlett Johansson? But um, oh yeah, right, Joe, that movie. Uh, like that movie, like that's a that's a porn problem, right? You're gonna have that's an, that's an issue. But for the most part, pornography can be a great tool to work to even use with your partner to kind of stimulate each other and improve your sex lives. Um, but it should not cause erectile dysfunction in the, in the general population. So that's something that you shouldn't be scared of uh, or worried about. Right. Like if my partner is watching a lot of porn, he's not going to get turned on when he's having sex with me because he's only used to watching porn. That's what you're saying. So you shouldn't be right. worried about that. I, I wouldn't worry about it unless you're like Joseph Gordon-Levin in that movie. Then that, that was like a problem. Yeah, not obvious. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Um, okay. Where can people find you? Yeah. So, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Justin Dubin MD. Um, you can also email me if you have any questions or concerns at Justin Dubin MD at gmail.com. And I'm starting a new podcast. It's called man up a doctor's guide to men's health. We're really going to be talking about a lot of men's health things. We're going to talk about sexual health, um, I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of men, but I, I, I think a lot of female partners, we get a lot of good information from that. I think we're going live. We're now, I think we just put up our intro on Spotify and iTunes today, uh, whenever this launches. So it should be, it should be available. I really want to thank you again for uh, having me on. This was awesome. And no, of I'd course. love to come on anytime and we no. can talk about whatever. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for explaining everything. Hopefully people's sex life will be better after this and they will feel more comfortable to talk about sex with their partner and whatever issues they can work through it together. Because I I think the best part about sex, in my opinion, is the intimacy. I I think, yeah, you know. I think the best when you're when you're talking about sex and, and how it's with two people, it's such a great validation of self love and and love of another person. And that's really special, right? You know, you get to have a really good, unique, special connection with someone. And uh, the best you can do is be honest with them and, and be open with them. And that's kind of, you know, that's pro- I think what people really love about relationships and, and, and having sex and enjoying each other's company. So a hundred percent. I agree. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And you guys definitely check out his upcoming podcast, Man Up. I'm sure it will be up by the time this episode comes 
up. Don't forget to follow him, to find him. If you have any questions, definitely ask him whatever you have. And thank you so much again for coming on my podcast. And I'll see you baddies next Thursday. Bye.